Live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240. Paul Nolan's here. Going to do some news. Uh, Rick Delgado's here. Going to have a what even is that tonight, Tuesday night. Means what even is that? What is the subject matter? If you can let us know if you're what even is that? Uh, Believe it or not, it has to do with today's date. Okay. Uh, today's date, April 12th, 420. Oh, 420. oh ah. okay. Uh, oh, you Am- get it, Panama Red? <laughs> Rick Emirati is going to be here with sports. Mr. Emirati, how are you? Good evening, Mr. Damon. What's coming up in sports tonight? Well, Big D, we got uh, NFL players are happy they can celebrate 420 now without being tested. I'll have live scores, and I even have a tennis report because I got a little flack that I wouldn't report on tennis over the weekend. Oh, so you're caving to the mob? Okay, yeah. very good. Well, we have a lot of a lot of mob, uh, a lot of mob justice these days. Um, Geo friend here as well. So obviously the um, the trial conviction came in today, and. Um, I try not to do what sometimes we complain about other people doing, jumping to conclusions. I mean, I don't think I ever thought in my head that he was walking away from this. I don't honestly know how anyone could have thought he was given that nine and a half minutes. So I tried to remember the the day that after this happened when we came on this show, after watching that video and how we all felt. Because I think we've gotten a long way from those feelings and there's been a lot that's going on, some of it. Um, well, some of it you can see, and we've talked a little bit about it. I didn't follow the trial every in and out nook and cranny of it. It did seem like the prosecution had some witnesses that were a disaster and you get caught up in that. And obviously the appalling behavior of Maxine Waters and president Joe Biden this morning, which I'll play the clip, um, I guess they can breathe a sigh of relief now, but uh, who knows what happens from here. But I tried to tried to take all of that and put it aside and remember how I felt watching that nine minutes. And it's easy to get caught up in the fact that George Floyd is pretty much, the facts have come out that he wasn't and not a great guy and had some problems, drug problems. Um, and the defense tried to do what they tried to do to bring all of those things up. But I still remember thinking, watching that video if i was standing there i don't know how i could have not tried to intervene to to help what clearly was someone begging for their life there's no question and i and i exactly and i can remember how we all felt the next day and paul coming from a family of of law enforcement we've talked about this how I felt like everybody in some ways had kind of come together. Everybody to a person said, no, 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 that's not, that's not what any police officer, you know, they, they kept saying, well, no, this is his training. I don't know if anybody who's trained to do that for nine minutes, keep your, I mean, as, a, as he's begging for his life, begging that he can't breathe, begging for his mother. Again, I understand all of the personal issues, whether he was high, whether he was on whatever he was on. I, I don't know. It still doesn't, uh, he doesn't deserve what happened to him. So the idea that I saw some initial reaction today of some outrage from people that somehow they thought, uh, maybe because it was a quick, the jury came back so quick. And I guess that can all be debated here. 
on whether they really did what they were supposed to do and, and, and weigh all of the everything with no questions. And we, we'll get into all that. But I tried to block everything out and go back to how I felt watching that nine and a half minutes. And when you do that, I don't know how you can think that um, justice wasn't served today. Well, I have to, do you want to kind of interject here? Absolutely. All right. So my opinion on it is when I saw what I saw, all I could think about is if I was there, my instinct would be to run there and knock the cop off. You're killing him. You're killing him. Stop. And then I'll probably get shot because the whole thing was so poorly done. But like the first thing, my instinct was you got to save this guy. He's being, he's getting his neck crushed. It's no good. This is bad. It's got to stop. And I'm with you on every point. The only point that, that the well, there's several points that bother me, but on this subject directly, what bothers me the most is that the court of public opinion had them crucified no matter how it was done. And it was completely, no matter what happened, he was going to get chopping block and essentially life in prison based on his age and solitary confinement, no less. He's never going to be in general public. He's going to be solitary confinement his whole life, which is obviously cruel and unusual punishment. But the way the government was able to pressure, the way BLM, the way all these rioters, and they're not protesters, these rioters are able to strong arm, and then with the aiding and abetting of a media that is so corrupt like a mafia that the ability to completely change everybody's minds and opinions, it just kills me that justice is gone. And presumed innocence is gone and reasonable doubt is gone. And it could happen to anybody. You know, if a mistake happens, it could happen to anybody. And I just look, I, I'm not justifying Chauvin's, uh, you know, behavior whatsoever. So, saying, so but that's the question, that. right? I think what, it's, what you're getting to is interesting because I'm hearing some people say what happened in that courtroom today is the way the American justice system is supposed to work. Now, I don't know how you juxtapose just just what happened in the courtroom and i have issues with what the judge did here the more i've watched even Same. in the last 48 hours but um when you look at just the pure facts of the case that the prosecution just the nine minutes and 36 seconds whatever it is is pretty much what we're talking about yep. here do you believe what happened in the courtroom is the way the American justice system is supposed to work inside the courtroom. No, everything about that was brutal. And that's what breaks my heart is the fact that there was zero. There was nothing about the judicial process that was done properly between not sequestering jurors between, you know, we have people, uh, you know, politicians from California talking about riots and insurrectionism. I mean, everything that could have been done wrong with the media and the way they completely front loaded every bit of it, all of it stuck, the way they call pro rioters, protesters, the way they frame everything. There is I just feel like the entire court system was undermined while I feel like they overcharged Chauvin. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't I don't know how you can be guilty on all three of these, how you can simultaneously be convicted of unintentional second degree murder which is a felony murder in other states, third degree murder and second degree man's the lesser charge you kind of put in normally as a backup. How are you, I don't, you know, and again, this is just, this is just a point of contention you can argue, but I think what Paul's getting to and is what a lot of people have a problem with is that the idea that this jury was not sequestered. The more you learn about it, the fact that there's a juror who lives there in Brooklyn center on the jury. I mean, that's what I said yesterday. The judge can tell me that he in, he gave instructions 
Yeah, okay, big deal. I mean, deal. but it, it's, yeah. it's crazy, the idea that he thinks that they're staying away. From, and even, even if we give them that, do you think they're getting texts and phone calls from family right. members? Did you see what the president said this right. morning? Did you see Maxine Waters? Well, I mean, the idea that somehow they're not influenced, they came back with no questions, not even on causation, nothing. They came back with nothing. So that leaves the idea in some people's mind that they went in there um, and had decided here before going into deliberation. It's hard not to think that when you th- see how quickly they came back. Right. Well, you know what? And that's a great point. And that was uh, one of the things I was thinking about as well. And part of it, you know, when you bring up the person that lives in that area, um, it's not like people don't know who that person is. I'm sorry. You'd be like, well, you know, we didn't release their name. People know. People in the neighborhood know. You know there's going to be pressure. Yep. You know they don't want to deal with that pressure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know they're going to be like, you know what? Let's do this. Fine, we agree on two out of three. Should we give them the th- third one? Because, again, you know, like you said with, with all three, I thought the second degree was the overcharge, and I thought that was going to be the one that was really going to be the problem. And if you remember, they initially went third degree in manslaughter and then jumped up to second degree. And that's where we all went, "Uh uh-oh, that's the overcharge. That's the problem. That's the one they're going to have the issue with. And if they don't get that, we we weren't sure of, of, you know, how the process went in Minnesota if they can still get three and manslaughter after that. But obviously you can. But they they actually brought those two charges back, I think, uh, a few months later. But the whole idea of, you know, being a juror, I'm sorry, but, you know, at some point, the juror's going to be like, uh, n- not even the person that lives in that particular area, but even other people. You know they're going to know who these people are. Uh, the, their names and their, their likenesses and, their, and who they are, it, it is going to seep out. Well, and that's what I'm saying. It, and it's, I'm, it, it's, it's hard to figure that they really debated the legal merits of what, of what was in front of them, given that they came back in 20 hours. Right. And they can probably say, you know what? Let's just sleep on it. You still feel the same way? Yeah, I still feel the same way. I want to get out of here, and I don't want any of this to come back on me. Great. Let's just give them what they want. Let's get out of here. Let the next jury deal with it. Because you know there's going to be an appeal. You know there's going to be uh, issues with the way things went down when you mentioned the media, when you mentioned the, the, the government influence, when you mentioned all that stuff. It, it's ripe for appeal. Just right for that, they have so many things that they can appeal on. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I think the jurors were just like, "Hey, we did our job. Here's what we got." You oh, guys you said that already. No, I'm just sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, no, but you're, that's to me what bothers me exactly is that. It's exactly it, Rick. It's try, it's exactly that. They. But they, can they you call, blame the could, jurors? The, the, they had no choice because they know their lives are doxed and ruined because exactly. of this media. They are. They would be crucified. You, you heard about the pig's blood on one of the you know somebody who one of the witnesses at a house he used to live at doesn't even like, live there anymore. You can can you imagine if there was an, the whole everyone in their family would be in trouble? This is the problem. The court system is history. The mob rules again, and it's and it's sick. Yeah. Sick. The, that's my problem. The judge. Um, the judge seemingly, and again, I freely admit I did not pay attention to every nook and cranny and have really only paid attention in the last 48 hours. It does seem, though, given that argument we heard from the defense attorney yesterday, that Judge Cahill did very little to try to limit outside influence. Now, I don't know if that's his philosophy, that just everything is to be um, 
figured out on appeal that all of these are just issues for appeal and he wasn't going to deal with it. Uh, but it does seem like he he did not make much of an effort to limit outside influence. And the idea that somehow a non-sequestered jury in this atmosphere, in this location, is not paying attention to the news, not getting texts, not getting phone calls, doesn't know what's going on, and is not being affected by that. And by the way, I think two things can be true at time. I think the, ju- I think the fact that he's guilty is exactly what it probably should be. And what I would have expected. There's no way this guy after that video is walking away. Right. There's no way. There's no way. There's also no way that the jurors weren't affected by everything that was going on. It's not possible. Maxine Waters. Exactly. Well, you put that way. You condensed that and crystallized that in two sentences where I babbled for 18 minutes on it. Good night, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You nailed that. No, but I mean, and and here's the thing now you're seeing. Uh, And I know we got to go to break here, but just. AOC, MSNBC contributors, Keith Allison, what are you already seeing? Well, this is not enough. Yeah, right, they're not yeah. satisfied. This, what's this next? Is not, this is yeah, not what's enough. What's next? Mob rule is never satisfied. Nope. All right, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to get a lot of what the audience thinks here in social media. Uh, lots to do. Glad you're in. from Studio 6P, 17 past the hour. Uh, Lots to do tonight. Kevin Jackson, award-winning producer, is going to join us. He's the producer of Bleeding Blue. He's going to join us here at the bottom of the hour. Bleeding Blue um, debuts on Real America's Voice exclusively April 24th, this Saturday at 8 p.m. He's going to join us to talk about the movie on a a day, obviously, that police are um, in the news here uh, with this coming down today as it did so um we'll talk to him about the movie what what he thinks about what happened today uh that's all coming up at the bottom of the hour so we're talking about this today and uh, one of the comments during the break was you guys don't know anything about police training the expert who testified said this is well within his training and i i call bs on that whether he's whether the expert said it was or not because i don't know of any officer and i know a lot of officers as i'm sure paul does and he's got family members who are um, I don't know any of them who would say a handcuffed uh, suspect face down needs, n- n- needs that for nine and a half minutes. And I don't know of another case ever where something like that's happened and been the crux of the case like this was. You know, what was the every single manual there is no place in the manuals that ever say put your knee on a neck for that long and the only place there was anything along those lines was minnesota i remember when we were doing the police rallies we were saying back the blue rallies and the cops we were talking to there had said that the procedure was brutal and a mistake and when they're not allowed to do it here in new york and they're not really allowed to do it anywhere i remember uh, the officer who was a police captain in freeport had told us that the procedure was so completely unorthodox, but it's the only state in America where that was actually an acceptable in the manual. So I, I don't know what the uh, caller or the, the text guy is talking about, but I think he's wrong. 
Uh, plus, you could just try to factor in common sense. There's three of you. There's one of him handcuffed face down on the ground. Well, at, some, at some point, some humanity has to play in. Didn't uh, didn't Chauvin have quite the record of being a lousy cop? By the way, I, I'm a cop. I'm behind the blue, 100. percent You know, there's there's a good portion of bad cops, right? You guys know that some jackass who thinks he's a, a you know the toughest guy in the world acting like a fool. There's some of those guys, and you know it. So let's not act like that they don't exist. Chauvin was one of those guys. How many how many issues did he have in his career? Didn't he have four or five or six? Maybe nine, if I remember correctly. I'll look it up. But he had a lot of incidents. It didn't look good on his record. I mean, I just, I mean, again, I think a lot of things here can be true. And one of the things that can be true is that no one could watch that and tell me that, th- that this guy should have walked away. But even if he did something less, let's say he was on less than he thought, no matter how you slice it, he was going to get convicted no matter what. Even if he farted on him, he was going to jail because of the, the, the public opinion and the media and all the BS that we've seen surrounding this thing. Well, I'm looking through a lot of comments. I've, I've, obviously, everybody has a lot of um, you know heated opinions on this. I see a lot of uh, agreement. I see a lot of non-agreement. And I see a lot of agreement to what you just said, Paul, most likely. I mean, uh, overall, what I see the most of is that, that um, – and it's just, uh, it's just appalling that uh, Maxine Waters and then Joe Biden, let's play what Joe Biden said this morning here, and then his, his, his nonsense excuse that somehow uh, he waited for the right time to do this. So here's Biden this morning. Cut 12, G. Play that. No. I know, George. I'm just going to ask that one question because George is... Uh, I, I've come to know George's family, uh, not just uh, I'm in passing. I've spent time with him. I uh, spent time with his little daughter, Gianna. You should see this beautiful child. Uh, and uh, his brother, both brothers, as a matter of fact. Uh, and uh, so uh, um, I, I can only imagine the pressure and anxiety they're feeling. Uh, and so uh, I waited till the jury was sequestered. Uh, and I called, and as uh, I wasn't going to say anything about it, but Thelonious uh, uh, said today on television, and he accurately said it was a private conversation because uh, uh, Joe understands what it's like to go through loss. And um, they're a good family, and they're calling for peace and tranquility, no matter what that verdict is. I'm praying the verdict is the right verdict, which is, I think it's overwhelming in my view. I wouldn't say that unless the, the jury was sequestered now, not hear me say that. But so we, we just talked to little. I want to know how they were doing, just personally, and we talked about personal things. Thank you very much for coming in. I guess Joe doesn't, um, Joe doesn't think that he's maybe, maybe talking to more than just the quote-unquote sequestered jury at the time. He could be talking to the people on the ground, maybe in Minnesota, Joe, outside, who are ready to just the, the, the whole thing's a big powder keg. Yeah. If you if you could wait to then and, and quote-unquote say, oh, no, it's good now, because why couldn't you just wait till tomorrow or wait for, wait for this to be done or out? I mean, they had to have some idea. That I, well, maybe they didn't have any idea it was going to come back this quick. But, I mean, just... 
Just a judge yesterday, by the way, just says, I wish, Paul, I wish they'd stop talking about this case. And here he is this morning. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's unbelievable. And now what do you, we said, we started this talk about this before. What do you think? AOC, she couldn't get to the live stream fast enough. Uh, Keith Ellison, the AG in Minnesota. Um, he's, he's already out there. And so is the vice president of the United States, by the way. Uh, no, no, this is, this is not, now this is, this is not good enough. This is not justice. This is not good enough. Um, in, in really just showing that you can just uh, never appease the mob. And, and then that's what this is. It's just mob rules, broad brush, the whole system still. The former president, Barack Obama, is out there again with these, you know, we need to reimagine policing, rethink policing. This is not enough. It's never going to be enough. That's the point. It's never going to be enough. You got to figure at one point, they're going to turn around and be like, hey, what are the criminals doing wrong? Oh, God. Like, like you know what I mean? It's like they talk about police training all the time, and you hear it, and you constantly say, oh, we got to do this. We got to reimagine that. Hey, how about, re- how about we just do what the, the mayor of Houston said? Why don't you just go home and chill? Just chill. How about we reimagine the nuclear family being together? How about we reimagine schools that don't teach division and hatred? Right. How about teaching your kids, uh, you know, respect authority? If the police say stop, don't, don't fight them. Don't run. Don't, yeah, how, don't be running around at 2 a.m. as a 13-year-old with a gun in your hand. How about bureaucrats tell cops no longer, you know, to tax and collect, serve and protect. Stop the unconstitutional laws that put these cops in the absolute worst positions, too. It's just an ama- it's just an amazing thing to go back and forth on, and and, and you know then then you sit there and be like, well, you know, uh, and looking back at you know trying to compare their past, whether whether Chauvin had you know one complaint or 101 complaints, that's beside the point. Whether George Floyd had you know this this uh, criminal action or that or whatever, beside the point. That day when those two guys came together, that's the only thing we should be judging on, and. Unfortunately, you know, one person didn't walk away from it. And it was as simple as it's almost like the Hippocratic Oath. If, if you want to look at it that way, as a police officer, you don't want to do any harm. And unfortunately, I think for Chauvin, that that mentality of I got to keep this guy down, you know, he ended up causing harm that or at least attributing to that harm that didn't have to happen. That's absolutely correct. And it's almost can't even be argued. That's why. As I started the show, I was somewhat surprised to see some initial reaction. Like, he had no hand in, I mean, come on. We all watched that nine and a half minutes. You remember how you felt the day you watched it. I know we've gone a long time now from that. But that's why immediately I tried to put myself back the day after it happened, how you felt watching that. It's undeniable. And I'll tell you how I know it's undeniable, because we all were on the same page that next day. All right, Kevin Jackson coming up, producer of Bleeding Blue. Tell us about the movie. Get his thoughts on what's happened today and policing in this country right now. A lot of uh, people who don't want to spend a lot of time on the facts. Talk about that when we get back right after. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, 30 minutes past the hour. 
A lot of good discussion going on. Uh, audience uh, is very active tonight. Obviously fired up. A lot of different opinions about what happened today. We'll spend some more time on that. But right now, Kevin Jackson is an award-winning producer. He's the producer of Bleeding Blue. Bleeding Blue tells the real story of policing in America, and it's not what the media wants you to know. Bleeding Blue tells the evolving story of policing and provides clarity on the politicization of the duties of law enforcement in America provides the wake-up call on a very controversial subject. Bleeding Blue is going to premiere on Real America's Voice Saturday, April 24th at 8 p.m. Here is a clip from Bleeding Blue. Roll it, G. I'm not, I'm not playing. Take your hands out the pocket. Take your hands out the pocket. Take your hands out the pocket. I don't know anybody that puts on a uniform and goes out to work and says, I can't wait to shoot somebody today. 13, Again, that's Saturday. Please welcome the producer of Bleeding Blue, Kevin Jackson. Mr. Jackson, how are you? Doing great, guys. Call me Kevin. Uh, wow, powerful trailer you guys cut. Uh, they, you took some of our trailer and did it for yourselves. But how powerful is that? I mean, look, we got this Chauvin der, uh, um, verdict that came in that is an atro at atrocity. I mean, people don't realize how unsafe America is today based on this mob justice that just occurred. And I was watching you four white boys uh, before during the break. And I'm going to tell you, every single one of you are at risk. You're going to be subjugated. If America doesn't stop fighting back against this kind of nonsense, we're in big trouble. And Bleeding Blue sheds light on exactly how we got there. All right, so I want to talk about the movie, but let's talk about the, the obviously, the verdict we got today. You say it was... Um... Well, so I guess give me your feelings on what you felt. I mean, let's go back to the, when you saw that nine and a half minute video, what you felt, and then obviously all the way through the trial, and then obviously the outside influences that, I mean, it seemed to me the judge didn't do a lot to to kind of curtail that, but I guess give me your 10,000 foot overview on why you think it was such a miscarriage of justice. Well, like when I was with Fox during the whole Michael Brown thing, the first thing I said was, let's let let's find out all the details. The first thing we saw that America was given notice about was the knee on the neck. And everybody, including conservatives, are like, that's horrible. And there's this and that. Well, as a trained fighter, I'm going to tell you something. You get a six foot eight, almost 300 pound guy, you subduing and then talk to me about what you need to do to keep him on the ground. I mean, look, what are we what are we talking about here? We're talking about a cop and it doesn't have to be Derek Chauvin. It, it, he was the unlucky guy who got the short straw and got that call he and his partner, and they went and tried to talk this guy off the ledge. Why? Because he had tried to pass a phony $20 bill. This is a crackhead, crankhead, doped up thug that got 20 something million dollars because he happened to be in the right place at the right time and his family's gonna benefit. And America stood at the ready to, to absolutely go up in flames over yet another thug like Michael Brown Jr., a thug who robbed a bodega and then tried to kill a cop. Now, if we don't see that, and we can't say that openly and honestly, shame on us. 
So they give three counts of a guy who showed up to do his job, a job that 99.99% of America wouldn't do if you gave him a million dollars. And he shows up to do his job. You saw the video. They made it appear as though he was the most racist guy. He was the reincarnation of Hitler. Chauvin was. And all he was there to do was to get this guy to give up and come in and stop trying to pass phony bills. Last time I checked, passing a phony bill will get anybody locked up and in prison. It's a federal offense. So where are we? We're in a point now where yet again, cops are being demonized. The left looks like they vindicated. They were vindicated. Why were they vindicated? Because number one, they know we're not going to go burn stuff down and loot and violate curfew over Wu flu over this nonsense. We're going to take it on the chin like conservatives always do. But let me tell you, the nation is taking it on the chin tonight. So you produced and made Bleeding Blue when you said, uh, I think uh, I saw you say when uh, in dealing with Ferguson. So I guess um, tell me. Tell me a little bit about the movie, why you made it, and how it related to what went on there with Michael Brown and Ferguson. Well, I made it because some of my benefactors said during the time of all the cop killings and the epidemic, Kevin, will you do something that tells the truth and stops black kids from getting killed and cops from getting killed over the lie? So we made it. And it just happened that it coincided with Ferguson, where all the hoopla over Michael Brown. And, and as we say in, in, the, in the vernacular, game, no game. That's what black people say. So the minute that I heard that an officer stuck his arm out the window to put his, uh, fingers, his uh, fingers on the neck of a six foot four, 300 pound black dude, I called foul because that's a good way to lose your arm. So immediately we get into the hands up, don't shoot and all this. And I'm on Fox talking about this saying, you can already tell this is, this is a lie. And so we already knew what was going on. Well, what's happened since then? We've got $900 million given to a race, a terrorist racist organization called Black Lives Matter. People afraid to say all lives matter. Nobody wanting to speak truth to power. Well, I'm a warrior. As I say to people, I don't have four black belts because I'm a pacifist. So I made a movie that said, let's show the truth about policing, the job that nobody wants to do, the guys that are willing to run to the fight like myself. And let's tell people what's really going on. And let's also explain how we've gotten here, how the media is a bunch of a pack of lying wolves, how the, the uh, social media is a liar or liars, how the entertainment industry are liars and how we've built this vitriol, this vitriol against police, a job, again, that most people wouldn't do if you wanted, if you were giving it to them and you gave them a, a ton of money to do it. So that's where we are. And, and it doesn't matter whether we're talking about Philando Castillo. Eric Garner, Michael Brown Jr., whatever, name the five, six people that have gotten themselves killed. And let me tell you the one common theme. They did not surrender to the police. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion today. A lot of people agree with what you're saying, saying, you know, why would you want to be a police officer in a big city this these days? Why, why you know, we're almost... We're almost coming to a point where we feel like we're living in a world of almost it's going to become self-reliance because police officers well, let me are not. Give you, let me give you the reality. Let me give you the reality of that statement. Forget whether you want to be a cop or not. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Cops are going to say, okay, black folks, you want to live like goons? We'll let you. I'm not showing up. Right now they're talking about cops having to have insurance because they can now be sued personally over this stuff. You see something going down in a black community where you need to pull your weapon, you know what you're going to do? You're going to drive on by. 
And what that means is the black communities are going to be, as they are already, they're going to be the most high crime neighborhoods. And if you think it's uptick since Biden, wait till they're finished. It is not only going to uptick, it's going to be escape from L.A. or escape from insert Democrat control crap hole city in America. That's what you're going to be doing. And, and suddenly we're going to start complaining. Cops don't want to help black folks or whatever else. Well, guess what? I wouldn't either. I'm a black dude. I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't go help black people in the neighborhood knowing that I could end up in court trying to defend myself. What's what Chauvin going to do now? I mean, his life is over. Kim Potter, the, la the lady who accidentally shot Deontay, Dante Wright. Horrible situation. Wasn't intentional. Manslaughter at best. But she's got to fry. And, and all the other innocent incidents, by the way, a white guy got shot in Oregon. They issued a thing in the paper that said, we got to let you know it wasn't a black guy. Please don't burn down Portland. So it's, it's become so ridiculous. And, and guess what? Your audience, they get it. But I'm going to tell you, watch the movie and you'll understand why I made it. And, you know, the interesting thing is I had Mayor Giuliani on the show a couple of times. And he said to me when he was the mayor of New York City, there was no demographic uh, more than African-American mothers who used to come to him and say, Mr. Mayor, please do not pull the police off the streets. We, we need them here. They're the only thing standing be between us and a life of anarchy. We need more police, more police. But you never get you never hear that story listening to the media. They make it sound like they all want them out. And that's just not the case. That's not true. That's right. not the facts on the ground. Don't tell right. that. Pigs in a blanket, snitches get stitches. I mean, you're exactly right. And Rudy's right. Uh, you know, look, the, watch watch any of these cop shows that they don't want on TV anymore. First 48. Look at who the perps are. Look at who's being killed. Look at who's being consoled. It's black mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, uncles, aunts, cousins of black people being consoled by cops of all different races saying we got the perp. It was your your the kid your son grew up with. It was a, the person your daughter knew. You know, things like this. It isn't George Bush. It isn't Ronald Reagan. It isn't Donald Trump driving around in black neighborhoods doing drive-bys and shooting people up. So, you know, here's the problem, though. We can't even have a reality conversation about this because everybody's afraid of being called racist. Call me a racist. Call me whatever you want. But I'm a realist. And the people that watch this type of conservative news that, it, that isn't getting banned by these Gestapo leftists on social media and other media, they know what I'm saying is true. And the reason why I tell people I'm going to say it is because apparently every there aren't that many people that have the the cojones. I'm going to use the, the Hispanic version of the word so people don't get upset, but they don't have the cojones to say what's really happening in this country. And what we witnessed today was mob justice done by Congressional Black Circus clown uh, Maxine Waters, who incited violence and has done it since the beginning of time. She did it with George Zimmerman. She did it with Michael Brown, with a. Uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Darren Wilson, and she's doing it again. So these are people who will never, ever try to solve the problem in the black community of real crime, which is the 2000 plus, it's more than that, actually, blacks that kill other blacks. They want to focus on the 150 or so blacks that get killed by cops and who, by the, by the, by the way, most of them deserve to be killed by cops. Yeah, there does seem that there the, the facts don't bear out that there's an epidemic of police officers shooting black uh, males, but there seems to be an epidemic of people who who are unwilling to look at and find basic common stats that are out there and available to them about the stats 
uh, in these police shootings. But, you know, the other thing I want to ask you, and this maybe gets to, and I don't know, maybe it address, you address it in the movie, but what do we do? You know, you have former President Barack Obama out there using Marxist catchphrases like, we need to reimagine police now. You have AOC out today saying none of this is good enough just because it doesn't mean the system is right. We're all still systemically racist. It's in our DNA. So what's the answer? Well, we made the movie to, to talk about a lot of these various issues, but here's what I will tell you. Uh, every time they say cops need more oversight, cops have all kinds of training. They Most of them now have cop cams. They have citizen review boards. They have a commissioner. They have internal affairs. They have a mayor that they report to. And of course, they have the media watchdogs. What does a criminal have? Is he wearing a, a, a camera to say, hey, I'm going to commit this crime against somebody? Is, is there any of that oversight for the criminal? We talk about the number of cops that are killing people. Exponentially more people are killed by other blacks. You think they're talking about any review of that? Let's look at the family, the familiar situation. Let's look at how Democrats are cornering blacks into these hopeless situations, et cetera. Of course not, because that would actually solve the problem. Yeah. Uh, we, we're going to know again every weekend, Chicago is going to have more crime. By the way, just so your audience, I heard you guys talking to people. Chicago's ten, number, seven, ten, ten number seconds. 71 in crime. They're number 71 in violent crime. St. Louis is number one. And think about it, Chicago's 71. Yeah. Uh, well, we're really looking forward to watching this Saturday, 8 p.m. right here on Real America's Voice, Bleeding Blue. Kevin Jackson, producer, uh, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your thoughts tonight. My pleasure. Live from Studio 6B, we're back right after this. Studio 6B. We just were speaking with producer of Bleeding Blue, Kevin Jackson, who was very passionate about how he feels about this whole thing. He very brought some interesting um, commentary, his own thoughts on what happened today. Um, and I mean, listen, I, when he says to me, um, you try to subdue, or I guess me and two of my officers, other officers, I mean, there was three officers there, tried to subdue um, a 300 pound, six foot five. I mean, I, I understand what he's saying, but I'm saying, uh, what I'm saying is he's in handcuffs face down on the ground. Nine and a half minutes of his, but then like we said, the knee could have been in his middle of his back could have been in the small of his back. He's handcuffed and he's down and he's out of gas. You're exerting no pressure, pinning him down and he is fighting to breathe. All I'm saying is, Let's be reasonable here. However, it didn't matter if he was reasonable. No matter if he had, if he wanted to cardiac arrest that day, because he had a heart problem or he had a blood clot, the cop was fried anyhow because the court of public opinion was over anyhow. So there's so much wrong here. It's so wrong on every level. All right, let's do some sports, and we'll get back to this uh, here. With that is Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D, bring it down a little bit here. Well, the Los Angeles Dodgers look every bit like the defending world champions and heading for another world championship as they're 14-4. and four. They won today 1-0. Corey Seager's RBI single in the third took the game for them. And uh, Julio Riosh had 11 KOs on his way to the win. So Dodgers won nothing over the Mariners. Um, right now, seventh inning, White Sox lead the Indians 8-2. to two. Um, seventh uh, inning, Athletics seven nothing over the Twins. 
Braves and Yankees tied 1-1 in the sixth. Fifth, Orioles 6-3 over the Marlins. Also in the fifth, Diamondbacks lead the Reds 3-2. In the sixth, the Phillies over the Dodgers 4-3. Uh, also in the sixth, Nationals 1-0 over the Cards. Red Sox 4-1 over the Blue Jays in the fifth. Cubs up 1-0 over the Mets in the fourth. And the Rays right now 1-0 over the Royals in the second. Astros and Rockies just underway. Rangers at the Angels, 9:38 start. And uh, the second game of the uh, Twins Athletics starts at 10 p.m. tonight. NHL action right now. Um, Devils are trailing the Penguins 6 nothing in the second. Oh. Red Wings nothing nothing over with the Stars. That's in the first. Hurricanes 2 nothing over the Lightning in the second. And Panthers 5-1 over the Blue Jackets. Um, and right now the Rangers and Islanders 3-1 Islanders lead. So we'll see where that goes. Keep an eye on that game. Um, NBA action, just a few games at the half. Hornets lead the Knicks 66-60. Terry Rozier with 18 for the Hornets. Also at the half, Hawks over the Magic 65-48. Trey Young with 15 for the Hawks. And Pelicans over the Nets, 54-52, late second. Zion Williamson with 14 for the Pelicans. Clippers visit the Trailblazers and Timberwolves at the Kings, 10 o'clock, both games tip. NFL players can smoke marijuana for the first time during the offseason, and the window (laughs) opened on... Today, 420. Uh, This is from Jay Thompson at businessinsider.com. The NFL won't drug test for THC in players from April 20th to July uh, to August 9th. The new CBA that was passed um, last year includes a relaxed drug testing policy. The policy means that 2021 is the first year players can celebrate 420 without discipline from the NFL. The NFL opened this random drug test window on Tuesday, but this will be the first year the league doesn't test for the chemical found in marijuana. The start date of April 20th coincides with the popular cult holiday 420, which is dedicated to celebrating marijuana. The holiday has become so popular among Main Street Americans in recent years that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer went so far as to call it an unofficial American holiday today. Oh, God. So, nice move, <laughs> Chuck. Um, had to get that in there. I'm not supporting or saying bad, but I'm re- just reporting. Um, and uh, penalty report. Uh, this is three teams docked for lug nut violations at Richmond. This is a NASCAR report, MSN Sports staff report. NASCAR officials issue penalties Tuesday to three teams, two in the Cup Series and one in Camping World Truck Series for lug nut violations in last weekend's events at Richmond Raceway. You know, I love to keep on top of the NASCAR. The infractions filed under the heading of sections 10.9.10.4 tires and wheels in each series rule book resulted in fines for each team's crew chief. The vehicles were each found with one unsecured lug nut in a post-race check. The number 24 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet for driver William Byron. Uh, the number 51 Petty Ware Racing Chevrolet for driver Cody Ware. And in the Camping World Truck Series, the race winning Kyle Busch Motorsports number 4 Toyota team for driver uh, John Hunter. Nemchek was docked for a single lug penalty the, the infraction and a $2,500 fine to crew chief Eric Phillips. And Andrew McCarty of The Spun, uh, NBA releases a statement on Derek Chauvin. Of course, the NBA had a weigh-in, as they would, and I want to report. Yeah, good um, for them, because their opinion matters. 
Yeah, and uh, with that being said, I'm just going to skip right over that then, Paul. I'll just leave that be on the floor, right? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, 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 no I really want to hear it. That be now. I'm so Paul. sorry. No, 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 no Rick, up, Rick. Bubby, buddy. No, no Rick, worries. I'm sorry. No, no, no. let's get to tennis because I got a little beaten for that last night. I forgot to report oh, on dude. tennis, which I love tennis. Hey, I, I talk about Njokovic ad nauseum, so, um, you know, but let's talk about what went on at the Monte Carlo Masters on Sunday. Stefano Sissipas uh, wins the Monte Carlo without dropping a set. That's my, my Greek champion there. This is in Monaco. Stefano Tsitsipas won the Monte Carlo Masters without dropping his set, beating Andre Rublev 6-3-6-3 on Sunday for his first title this year and sixth overall. Four-seeded Tsitsipas was in dominant form as he edged 4-3 ahead of the sixth-seeded Russian in their career meetings, having also beaten him on clay last year in the French Open quarterfinals. The 22-year-old Greek won his last title in February last year at the Open 13 indoor tournament in Marysville just weeks before France went into lockdown for the first time. So Rublev, 23, was aiming for his second title of the year. Um, don't forget, he beat Rafael Nadal on Friday. That was a bit of an upset. However, you know what? It was just too much. Tsitsipas is really playing good tennis and he pulled it out and that's a wrap in sports quick segment big d and get back to the uh, hey rex sorry about little, that i didn't mean it no, like that i was just no making a like a groan because all these woke corporations are making me sick especially the hypocrites at the nba with their no. support of you know of of communist china and all the heinous crimes that they do against humanity so uh, i didn't mean to sh- paul you I, gave I, me a good out i really didn't want to report on it quite frankly so that was good i didn't expect uh, to even no, get through I didn't it want to disrespect especially in any way i love nah, no disrespect uh, uh, and lebron okay. james put, posted accountability so you know what you're dealing with with these guys well victor david sanson had a piece on that that paul's talking about um he says tens of millions of Americans coordinating a counter boycott of corporations pushing left-wing politics, quote, would have a profound effect, uh, Victor Davis Hansen said. He said, traditionally, you can only express your political opposition in two ways, and that is voting and participating in the process or then politicizing your economic, social, and cultural life, he said. In a practical sense, it would mean that collectively people would say, quote, I'm not going to uh, buy a Coke anymore. I'm just sick of it. Or if I have a choice between getting on American or Delta, I'm going to get on American. I'm not, or I'm not going to, I'm not going to fly Delta. I will not watch the NBA or MLB. He added collectively, if four or 5 million do it, it doesn't really matter. If 30 or 40 million did it, and that's already happened to the NBA, it's audience pretty much shot in America. It's depending on a Chinese audience now. And the same thing is happening with major league baseball. That is very effective. Application of cancel culture, political strategy, tends to go against conservatives' inclinations, Victor Davis Hansen said. Uh, Quote, he said, the right always says we're always uh, live and let live people. We're moderates. We worry about our community or family or job. We don't cancel people. We don't boycott. We don't do the things of the left. But if they started to, And they said, you know what? We're going to be organized and let's just target not all these corporations. Let's target Disney or Coke. That would have a profound effect, he says. Uh, Hansen addressed Democratic and left-wing characterizations of America as um, uh, pathological. Terms such as white privilege and whiteness lack clear definitions, he said. We're playing this great game where the media has so conditioned us that every single potential radicalized crime, a mass shooting, riot, police shooting, immediately people are glued. Some people are saying, I hope the shooter is white. I'll continue with this in a second. 
right, live from Studio 6B, hour two. <laughs> Lots to get to still on the trial. Um, a bunch of different takes here that I haven't gotten to yet, haven't even gotten to them yet. We had Kevin Jackson on. Of course, Bleeding Blue will be Saturday night, 8 p.m., right here on Real America's Voice. Um, very timely time to have this happen, obviously, with what's going on today. A couple things I want to get to here. Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz says today, what Maxine Waters did, coupled with the judge refusing to sequester the jury, will lead to the U.S. Supreme Court ultimately reversing any conviction for Derek Chauvin. That's his take. Uh, another attorney that I follow uh, very closely is Robert Barnes. He says, guilty on everything, less than a full day of deliberations for a three-week trial in a factually complex and legally complicated case means the jury made up its mind likely before they even sat down and definitely by the end of opening statements with no committed holdouts. Uh, defense likely misread the jury and also likely means it was not possible to get a fair jury in this case at this time in that city. Government will likely now double down on these type of media gaslit prosecutions and makes the Ritterhouse defense all that more important. This is how I will react to this troubling verdict, doing all I can to not see such a process repeat itself in the Kyle Rittenhouse matter. The response to something bad is always to try to do more good. So just a couple takes there. Uh, I've got some things to get to here, obviously, um, on the verdict and whether there'll be an appeal. That's a whole nother separate thing to talk about. We'll do that here in a second. But right now, it's time for one of my favorite new segments here on the show. And that, of course, is Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? Ah, well, thank you, Damon. And uh, I find it appropriate that we uh, take a time out from today's big news and go a different direction because, well, a funny thing happened on my way to today's What Even Is That? Again, if you remember last Tuesday, it was supposed to be a follow-up on last Tuesday's yeah. uh, homage to the great actor, homage. Morgan Freeman, right? Uh, but just like the end of every Scooby-Doo episode, what happens? I would have written it, too, if it wasn't for those meddling kids. Well, my meddling kids happen to be headlines. Yay! And as you can imagine, after I saw this one in particular, there was no freaking way on earth I was going to be able to focus on the sponsors, the corporatism, and the fascism of the propaganda video we watched last week. Not when there's a story on free weed. Yeah! Soinks! Oh, Scoob, if only we had some Scooby snacks because I'm feeling a bit of case of the munchies coming on. Like I said, it all stemmed from a headline, and this is the one I'm talking about. As you all know, today is April 20th, 420. We talked about it a little bit earlier, thanks to Rick and the Sports Report. And anyone that is hip to the jive with the cool kid vernacular will tell you that it's a holiday. It's 420. And to celebrate this date, and in the state of New York now, marijuana is legal for recreational use. Uh, New Yorkers can meet up in Manhattan at Union Square Park and take advantage of the Joints for Jabs giveaway. Yay! But there's a catch. Of course, to qualify, you must be, <laughs> wait for it, vaccinated. <laughs> That's right. Seems oh, like no. the government is A-OK -okay with pumping you full of drugs and paying you to do it with other drugs. <laughs> 
the government just became the ultimate pusher, didn't they? Um, want some weed without all that messy exchange of, oh, I don't know, money, threats of violence, and a stranger's bodily fluids. This guy does. Well, then let the government do it because you know that it'll be safe. So basically now, you know, our government, our national health officials are Jay and Silent Bob. Okay. <laughs> But what's crazy about this is that I'm late to this vaccination bribery party. Yeah, turns out that this sort of thing has been going on for a few months, but I just heard about it today. From free joints at dispensaries to free bags of weed outside of vaccination centers across the U.S., cannabis reform activists have been busy organizing their own weed giveaways to help and the coronavirus pandemic, wink, wink. Um, and if this isn't the only thing, this article from Fortune magazine has educated me even more about the vaccination bribery business. Now, check this out. If you don't believe me, it's real. Uh, you can also get Krispy Kreme donuts as an incentive to get vaccinated. Yeah. Oh, this can't be true. Yeah, Please it is. Donuts. It is. It's from Fortune. Try avoiding sweets because you want to get ready for a banana hammock weather there, Paul. <laughs> Well, well, don't worry, because my pal Jim Cook, the owner at uh, Sam Adams, well, he's come up and he's launched the shot and a beer promotion. Oh, there you oh go. no. Covering the cost of a Sam Adams beer for the first 10,000 people who can prove they got a shot. Get it? Shot. Oh, come beer. On. Awesome. <laughs> and speaking of awesome, or better yet, totally awesome, brah. Californians who get their Fauci ouchie uh, can finally head back to the beach because, well, California is offering, check this out, free paddle boards, surfboards, no. or snorkel rentals Mondays through Thursdays at participating locations only. Um, Watch what they're going to be doing in Michigan, as they've even gotten the local news involved. Anybody here need some weed? Yeah, you need some? You got one? You want one? Here you go. Catch that, brother. Yeah. And depending on where you live across the country, you can also qualify for free video games, free food, free cash from certain employers, and free rewards points and miles. <laughs> what the freak is going on around here? I mean, what even is that? I I is it just me or does this not seem to be a problem for everyone? I mean, let's face it. People are being bribed oh to God. get injected with an experimental drug. Let that course through your for veins for just a moment. Virus. I guess oh. the government figures, hey, if we can keep them entertained and drugged up, uh, they'll have a more malleable population, right? Along with offering us money and offering us oh, things like our freedoms, which I guess we've abdicated to them, um, free drugs to get you to comply was, well, I guess, inevitable. Oh, uh, and Big Pharma, the cartels, they couldn't have dreamt it up any better themselves, really. Uh, first, they got the government to become their customers for a new vaccine. And now, how do you keep the people hooked up? How do you get them to keep coming back and giving you the vein? Bribe them. Awesome. And as soon as the word starts spreading that you can get free weed and all you have to do is, oh, I don't know, get a shot. Well, guess what? Even old Mardi Gras head here is, herself is going to say, just say yes. Look, the bottom wow. line is, again, we are seeing things that just a couple of years ago, I think we all would agree, we would have laughed at and said there's no way that this stuff is going to happen. Yet, here we are. And there they are, the left. They have been working tirelessly and lying to us along the way. And now these things we thought were just insane pipe dreams by these people are being pushed upon us 
to try and make us all seem like it's normal, but we know it's not. Look, hey, I know I've gone on a bit too long here, but believe me, if there was ever a time that we need a Nancy Reagan and her campaign, I think it's now. Unless, of course, I see a vaccine for V-Chain promo or Bitcoin for bong hits, then I'm all in. <laughs> all right. Boy, dude, you nailed it again. That's going. That was great. That's going. That was great. What was the V-Chain? What was it? Bitcoin Holy for cow, bong that hits. was great. Or, yeah. uh, what for V-Chain? Uh, vaccine for V-Chain. Vaccine for V-Chain. I'm in. I'm all over that. So Great job, uh, Very man. good, That's Rick. brilliant. So, well, so <laughs> the audience awesome. is... Uh, the audience is fired up tonight on yeah. this whole this whole um, this whole yeah. thing. So I, this... I really hope that gets. I hope that standalone gets a million views. That was great. Well, thank you. Uh, a couple things here. I want to get to just some other um, things on the verdict. Verdict uh, is in, according to Victoria Taft, an appeal is sure to follow. After President Joe Biden, Governor Tim Waltz, God, he's a disaster, by the way, and Congresswoman Maxine Mad Max Waters all weighed in on what they hoped the right, quote-unquote, verdict would be in the trial of Derek Chauvin. The former Minneapolis police officer was found guilty on Tuesday afternoon of all three counts brought against him for the death of George Floyd on May 25th, 2020. After the unanimous verdicts were read, Chauvin was handcuffed and remanded to custody. Uh, There is no question there will be an appeal in this case. Appealable considerations began with no change of venue. Witness intimidation, public statements meant to persuade the public, including the jurors, before they were sequestered, were uttered by everyone from Joe Biden to Maxine Waters. Alternate jurors who lived in the riot zone had to be dismissed. Defense attorney Eric Nelson pointed uh, to his request to sequester the jury for the entire trial that will undoubtedly come into play in the appeal. Uh, Though experts say it's not usually something that is given much heft, prosecutorial misconduct in closing arguments were objected to during their arguments. Chauvin's lone attorney, Eric Nelson, faced 12 private lawyers, most of whom were working for free for the cause and hand chosen by Attorney General Keith Ellison. Floyd's death in police custody sparked riots, arson, and looting across the nation from Minneapolis to Portland to parts in between. Four hours of deliberation took place yesterday, and the jury resumed Tuesday morning. Prosecutors appealed to the jury um, to the jury appeal to believe what they saw on the viral video of George Floyd being held down by the former officer. The five-man, seven-woman jury told the judge they'd reach a unanimous verdict at 2.25 local time. The jury former was one of the men, uh, a white male. Two alternative jurors were released yesterday. One of them was released because they lived in nearby Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, the scene of rioting and of the shooting of Dante Wright by a police officer. The jury breakdown was much more diverse than the surrounding area, as I had uh, reported. Half of the jurors chosen in this case are non-white. The jury of 12 12 jurors and three alternates is made up of three black men, one black woman, and two self-identified multiracial people within the rest and the rest of them being white. Two of the black male jurors are immigrants to the U.S., Schools are closed. Local news agencies report people are leaving the city to flee expected riots. State troopers have come from surrounding states. Buildings evacuated. One law firm instructed its people to go 
pack their bags in case of an emergency. Uh, the Minneapolis Star Tribune breaks down the charges against Chauvin and their penalties uh, as reported. Uh, but that's not the point of this article. The point of it is that there clearly is going to be an appeal. And this is where we'll see if... Um, now, someone had said the judge could take it upon himself here in the next two weeks to weigh some of this himself. I, I can't imagine that that could possibly be because it doesn't seem like he had any... If that was the case, why, why wouldn't he have been more proactive with uh, some of this stuff before? Why not sequester the jury from... I mean, was it not clear what the setting here was going to be? What the atmosphere was going to be like? I mean, certainly you couldn't have factored in on like a Maxine Waters or Joe Biden or weighing in, but you... I mean, you knew it was a powder keg. Um, yeah, and- you know what? I think he may have saw, saw it as a no-win situation no matter what, so just let it fly and have well, somebody I, yeah. else clean up the mess. And I deal mean, with it on appeal. Yeah, it's, it, because you knew it was going to get appealed anyway. Yeah. So. All right, more on this when we get back. Live from Studio 6B on a busy Tuesday, a fiery Tuesday. B on a Tuesday night. Kevin Jackson uh, joined us in the first hour to talk about his movie Bleeding Blue, which is going to premiere on Real America's Voice Saturday night, 8 p.m. You can watch it. All about policing in America. Obviously, he had some strong thoughts about today, what happened in the Chauvin trial. Uh, he was great. Uh, if you missed his interview, we'll post it on social media. Make sure you visit us at um, Facebook, at LFS6B on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Parlor, Rumble, at LFS6B Show on Instagram, YouTube. Just do a search for Live from Studio 6B. Our Mother's Day giveaway contest now has over, I think, 1,300 entries. Wow. Wow. Um, and you can enter all the way up through Mother's wow. Day. We'll select the winners, I believe, on Sunday on Mother's Day. I thought we could do it maybe Friday before, but I think the way we set it up, it has to go through actual on Mother's Day. We'll select the winners on Sunday. So uh, make sure you visit our social media and sign up for that. You can enter... Uh, a whole bunch of different ways. So, uh, all right, let's do Crazy Town here. Jen Saki keeps digging herself a deeper hole, Gio says. Let's find out why. Roll it, G. All right, let's go. You were asked on April 1st about <laughs> why refugee flights have not continued uh, and the president not raising caps on refugees. And you were asked uh, whether it had anything to do with the situation on the border. You said, quote, no, no, it's not related to that. Now, of course, the president referenced the border directly in his explanation over the weekend. You mentioned it yesterday. So how do you square those two explanations, previously saying the border was not a factor and then now saying that it is? Well, 
let me walk you back a little bit to the last few months. Um, I, I will do this briefly, I promise. Josh's eyes are glazing over here as he's, I'm just kidding, as he's, he's worried how long I'm gonna talk here. Um, um, Sean, we obviously, we took a look at um, how, uh, what had happened over the last few years. Um, you know, the impact on OR, the Office of Refugee Resettlement, of having, uh, of course, of welcoming in, delivering on a decision the president made to treat children as they come across the border humanely and ensure they are treated in a safe manner uh, has a has a way on the the system that is a factor but that some of that decision making is is happening and kind of uh, people you know at the office of refugee resettlement uh, in ways that maybe you know I wasn't communicated to about it uh, at that time so are you saying that the border has emerged as a factor in the last 20 days I mean even before April 1st we're already seeing an increase the number of migrants arriving at the border and the strains it was presenting to the system are you saying the border was not a factor back then at all and thinking about refugee policy well let me bring you behind the curtains of how policy making works um, you assess over time uh, as you look fun. over Thank time God, there's not a magic day when you wake up and you and a, an alarm bell goes off you you have to assess over time what the needs are and make changes as needed. May nice I just take a prerogative with my always unglazed over eyes and just follow up on this issue? Sure, it's an important ahead. issue, but why not just raise the cap to your promise? The cap is just that. It's a cap. They're saying that this is a broken promise, arguably his first big one of his administration. Well, first, we're actually going to set a cap, an, a, a large cap, soon. Just a quick clarification. When the president said, quote, it's overwhelming uh, a few hours ago in the Oval Office, did he mean the evidence against Derek Chauvin was overwhelming? I think I've answered this question a couple of times. Hi, so I know you just in some ways answered the question about why, but I'm, I'm confused about why you won't clarify what the president said about the praying that the verdict is right and, and it being overwhelming. The president obviously volunteered this information. No one asked him for his opinion about the verdict. Why not say this is what the president meant? Well, Amish, I think, um, you know, our objective is to um, lead, the president was obviously clearly impacted by his conversation with the Floyds, uh, the Floyd family just yesterday. Uh, they're sequestered, so they obviously can't hear or listen to anything uh, being said, uh, but I just don't, I'm not going to have more clarification for you. Simply, is it wrong for Americans to see this as the president saying he hopes the officers are going to be found guilty and the evidence is overwhelming? When people see that quote, is it wrong for them to make that assumption that that's what the president's saying? I think what people should conclude is that the president, like many Americans, uh, has been deeply impacted by the trial. And so what made him want to weigh in today on this <laughs> before the verdict has come down? Well, I think he was asked a question. If I if I if I followed it closely, not that, um, question. that was my question. Was, but I asked him what his message was was for the Floyd family, not what his what he thought the verdict should be. Well, I think Caitlin, you know, he obviously has been following this trial quite closely, as many Americans have been, um, and he certainly uh, uh, has his mind uh, and his heart on on what is happening around the country. <laughs> Man, nice try. Well, I can way. see why you called it that, G. Digging herself a deeper hole. That's exactly <laughs> what she did the whole the whole time. I mean, the, the, her inability to be truthful is staggering. Especially with the reporter who asked the question of the president. Yeah. Not, uh, yeah, that was my question. <laughs> yeah, that was my question. And yeah. I didn't ask him that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and um, I was actually surprised to see Amici Alcindor ask, uh, kind of press her a little bit because... Uh, Yamichi Alcindor today is there uh, in there. I don't know if it was in the press briefing room, but she's there defending Maxine Waters. 
and basically playing playing uh, attorney for her. Oh, that's not that's not what she meant. She's telling us what uh, Maxine Waters did or did not mean, as if we need her to tell us. Right. We have video of it. We're not. We don't have to play word games like you did with the former president on January six and twist and turn and everything else. So we know we don't. We don't have to do that with with Mad Max. We actually have the camera right in front of her face <laughs> as she says. <laughs> <laughs> what we played for you so yeah. but there's no need we don't we don't who cares what she i mean we don't need yamichi alcindor telling us what maxine did or did not mean we heard it for ourselves we know exactly what she meant and by the way we knew ex- we know exactly what biden meant that's exactly what he was saying he was saying that he hopes it's a, it's clear guilt right i mean does she think that we don't think that that the fact that she can't answer these questions honestly and just say yeah that's what he's the verdict is the right verdict which which is i think overwhelming in my view it says it right there so uh, which way could it be overwhelming that they're all that they just say no not guilty on all three is that what we think biden thought of course not I mean, her inability to be even the smallest uh, part truthful or even candid, not, if, you, if you don't even want to get the truthful, semi-candid, it's, it's not even, it's just so arrogant. Well, let me take you into how policy, no, no, how about you just answer the damn question and don't take me into anything. Just give me the answer. <laughs> I mean, they really just take us for idiots. Well, look who they're talking to, the, the, the compliant media. Of course they can say that. And, and they'll just puppy dog along, and like, okay, whatever you say. She was asked about <laughs> Maxine Waters' comments and whether Biden condones them. Uh, cut 14, G. Roll it. Yeah, one more question about the comments from sure. Congresswoman Waters. The House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is accusing her of inciting violence, and then you had the judge yesterday calling her words abhorrent and saying that she was being disrespectful of the rule of law. I just want to be very clear here. Does the White House condone the Congresswoman's comments? Well, first I would say again that the Congresswoman uh, clarified her own comments. And what I can do is speak for the President's view, which is that it's important to provide a space and an opportunity for peaceful protest. But protesting should be peaceful. That's something he has consistently advocated for, and he will regardless of the outcome of the trial. She was calling on some protesters to perhaps get more confrontation. And she's had additional comments since then, right? Yes. Okay. She has. Which but, provide so, additional but clarification. Guess, but I guess my no. question is, does the White House believe that those kinds of comments are helpful in the middle of this trial that everybody knows uh, could lead to more violence and unrest? Well, again, I can speak to what the president's point of view is, which is that it's important to provide an opportunity for peaceful protest. That's well, it wasn't. <laughs> why wasn't it appropriate? Get rid of her, G. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> why wasn't it appropriate when the former president used those exact damn words? Exact words peacefully protest why why is it different because he's got it supposed to be responsible for the idiots who went into the capitol thought that was a good idea he didn't say that he said peacefully protest so maxine waters has a different standard according to jen i guess because if you don't think her 
if you don't think her comments were more insightful than the president's, which weren't at all, I don't know what to tell you. B, 30 minutes past the hour. Kevin Jackson joined us in the first hour. He was fantastic. Brought a lot of um, good insight to how he feels. Was not not good about what happened today. Uh, Bleeding Blue, though, his uh, his movie that he produced will air on Real America's Voice Saturday, 8 p.m. You can watch it, and I'll bet it's fantastic. Obviously, he's fantastic. You can see how passionate he is about it. Uh, Saturday night at 8 right here on Real America's Voice. So, all right, other things to get to, uh, but we'll, let's do some news here with uh, Paul Nolan. What else is going on? We spent a lot of time, I know, uh, to the dismay of some people, but... Um, well, it's a hot button and... I think we have to tonight. Yeah, we had to. We had no choice to yeah, but what pontificate else is, on it. Well, what Senator Rand Paul, yeah. during an interview on the, on the water cooler with uh, David Brody, described National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease Director and America's favorite doctor, the Anthony Stormy Fauci, Daniels of medicine, as an elitist and a well-intentioned liar. Mm. So this is the quote. Um, I take great, I take great umbrage with that. Yeah, in the well-intentioned part. <laughs> That's great. Now, 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 Paul, who said this? This is uh, this is Rand Paul. Oh, okay. Now, he said, you know, I think Dr. Fauci is well-intended, but I think he's like many liberal elites. The common man is not smart enough to make decisions, so he'll make these decisions for you. But in the process, he may have to tell you a few lies because it's for you. It's for the betterment of mankind. These are the sort of noble lies, as Plato said. And is these uh, would be like telling you in the beginning that no masks work because he didn't want you to buy the N95 masks, adding that Fauci said he would also lie by saying that masks work at all. Uh, Paul said that the cloth masks are not effective in shielding the COVID-19, but the N95 masks do offer protection when used properly. And it really only worked in the hospital setting when you're very careful and throw them away, wear gloves, wash your hands before and after, and incredibly cautious. If you're in the hospital and you want to go visit a COVID patient or you're taking care of a COVID patient, the hospital will not let you enter the room with a cloth mask because they don't work. Paul said that Fauci thinks he's smarter than the rest of us, and it's this elitism that thinks the common man can't make his own decisions, which is uh, dead on. Uh, uh, we didn't play this clip yesterday from Fauci. This is why people uh, just throw their hands up with him uh, when they see him doing his 900 TV appearances he does every week. I don't know really when he does whatever he's supposed to be doing. Unless he does it in between, like his hit on State of the Union and Meet the Press, or what? But here he is. Um, what is this on? What was this on? G MSNBC uh, this past weekend, I guess. Fauci uh, cut six G. Roll it. All right, now let's put our, turn our attention to Pfizer. Last week, the Pfizer CEO announced that there might be a need for a third booster oh. shot within oh, twelve months. Shocker. Um, should. Uh, well, one, is that booster to be expected? And two, should we start thinking of the COVID-19 vaccine in the same way that we now think of the flu vaccine, something that we'll have to get every year? Yeah. Well, we don't know for sure, but that certainly is conceivable. 
when you look at a vaccine, you look at the durability of the response, and you could do that either by looking at what we call correlates of immunity, for example, antibody level. So if the antibody level is up here and then you start to see it trickle down, then that's a pretty good indication that you might have to give a boost. The other indicator would be if you're starting to see breakthrough infections, namely after, after several months, more and more people start breaking through who were vaccinated. That being the case, you may have to get a booster. That will be determined purely on a public health basis. And of course. the second part of your question is quite relevant. If, in fact, it turns out that we have durability that's only measured in a year or so, it is quite conceivable that we may need to come back with regular boosters. We don't know that yet, but that certainly is something that you have to consider. Here it comes. I think mean, it's, like, it's like just like everything else, the goalposts. You never yeah. know where they're going to be. It's conceivable. It's this. If it's, it's just conditioning. If it's one way, I was right. If it's the other way, you guys didn't listen to me. I was still right. Like I said, I think a year ago, I want his job. I want his job. All I know is these gain-of-function labs were run out of the country. They were sent to Wuhan, and now they're popping up in America again. These gain-of-function labs, the, the, these coronavirus experiments are so pathetic, are so disgusting. If, someone, if people can't see what's going on, I mean, we talked about that article about DARPA having a new chip that can be implanted under your skin and you could look at it to let you know if you're going to have coronavirus symptoms. Really? Really? This is where we're going with this? Well, conspiracy theorists saying, oh, they're going to chip you, <laughs> but they're going to introduce it by this way of saying, oh, I, I can get ahead of the game. I'll never, I'll never be sick, you know, because I have this chip that shows me that I'm, uh, I might get sick. What? Yeah, this guy's never asked. Do you ever, have you ever noticed how many times he's ever been asked about the simple protocol of healthy young adults, which make up obviously a huge part of the population? Why? Um, they just don't get on some, like what I'm doing now, even though I've had it, a vitamin D, uh, four vitamin C, um, a protocol of something that you take, zinc, take whatever at night to sleep, melatonin, whatever whatever yep. the protocol was. And if you get sick, ivermectin or something like they he, he never even gets asked to comment about it. Of course, if it's not double-blinded, this, that, and the other thing, of course, he doesn't want to talk about it. But the... The lack of um, even giving just the smallest conversation to some of these other things that have shown effectiveness when used early, like ivermectin. And the, Hydroxychloroquine. The way, get, the way they just get brushed off. Lots of C and D, lots of D. Or, or not Zinc. even that, just just the natural stuff. Like you're saying, the C, the D, the uh, elderberry is really great for building the immune great. system. As a doctor, he's not telling anybody, hey, you know what? Maybe you should clean up your uh, your diet a bit. That's going to help That's gonna help your immune system. Oh, and by the way, every time you get sick, guess what? It all starts when, when you put something in your mouth. It all starts in your gut. So if you can clean up your gut area, that's really going to help your immune, immune system, and it's going to boost your health. But he never talks about that. It's just about, hey, what else can we stick into you so we can jack you up full of more drugs? <laughs> Jesus, that's a funny question. It, it's just it's just insane. Um, 
Daniel Horowitz has a piece today, speaking of the mask Nazis that are out there. Um, he says there's not a single place on earth where masks appear even to have slowed the spread of the virus, which appears hell-bent on cutting through every population until the herd immunity threshold is met. None of this should have surprised us. How many people do you know who always wear their masks fully clamped to their face like a respirator? Well, there are very few people who can afford to pass out after hours of oxygen uh, deprivation. That, in a nutshell, is why mask mandates are useless against a virus. Even before we examine the fact that the pores in the mask fibers are much larger than the virus itself. Stephen Petty, one of the most experienced certified industrial hygienists and exposure experts in the country, sent me the following chart based on new research on mask filtration. It demonstrates that if just 3.2% of the mask space is open, the efficacy of the mask goes down to zero. Is there zero? A, is there a, a number behind that, or it's just there's a chart here he has printed impact of leaking around mask percentage of mask area with a hole in it and reduction in mask effectiveness based on this work at three point two percent of an open area cloth mask effectiveness goes to zero. He says, as you can see, with just 2% of the mask area open, 80% of the particles under 2.5 microns will escape. Based on that study, Petty extrapolates that masks will be 100% ineffective in blocking any particles that's, uh, that's that small when the open area reaches 3.2%. So again, back to the old, you're trying to uh, capture mosquitoes, and you put up a chain link fence. It's just not happening. What people forget is that aside from the size of the pores in the fabric, very few people actually wear masks the way they test them in labs or on mannequins. As Petty points out, based on a new study of filtration leakage in masks from 44 different materials, most of the seepage comes out through the sides because the molecules always travel the path of least resistance measurements with defined leaks showed that already a small fractional leak of one to two percent can strongly deteriorate the total effectiveness this is especially the case for particles smaller than five micron diameter where fe effectiveness dropped by 50 percent or in some cases up to two-thirds and uh, this goes on and on and on and i'll post it on our social media but again science that just Nobody wants to pay attention to. Yeah, of course not. Nobody wants to read. Nobody wants to acknowledge. No one wants to talk about. It's just, oh, well, if I, I go to my son's soccer game today, they're wearing masks on the field. The parents, not the kids, the parents are wearing the masks outside on an 80-degree day in New York with the wind blowing on a soccer field where they're 50 feet apart from everybody. They're wearing masks on the field. It's insane. It is absolutely insane. And you know what is crazy is that they've all been conditioned. They've all been conditioned because I see it. I, I was at the store the other day. Yesterday, I went to Home Depot, right? I'm sitting there getting my stuff together. I got to get my wallet, get my phone, looking for a mask to put on. But as somebody drives up 
wearing the mask with the windows closed. So they've already got the mask on in the car. They get out of the car. They're walking through the parking lot. I'm watching this happen with the mask on. Then they go into the store. At no time does this person seem to enjoy any fresh air once they've left their house. It's amazing. And what's crazy is that so many people are doing this. It is um, it is pretty wild. So, um, anything else in the yeah, news? Paul, yeah, I think this Fauci? is uh, yeah. This has to be talked about. Squad members collectively spend thousands on private security while pushing defund the police. <laughs> I mean, you just can't make this nonsense up. Federal Election Commission records show that uh, AOC, Omar, um, Ayanna Press, Presley, Cory Bush each spent thousands of dollars of their own on security, private security, while championing movements in response to incidents of police brutality. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> New York congresswomen spent over $9,000 over the past three months on security Um from a single security company, while on January 5th, she spent another 25000 on security. Omar, Minnesota, spent thousands. Um, Presley of Massachusetts, Bush in, of, of Missouri, uh, have also spent thousands on security. And Presley spent 1300 while at her home state, while Bush spent 30000 on her own security, according to an April quarterly report. I mean, you can't make this up. I, I wish to God we could use the F-bomb on this show. <laughs> yeah. There's just no way around that. I can't. No. No, none of them would live by their own standards that they want you to live by or they, what, they, what they mouth off about. None of them. Not about, not about um, they all fly private when they can. They all ride limos. They all go on big yachts. They do all. They all have private security. They all have a big wall around Carbon their house. Carbon footprint. The they don't live by <laughs> any of the rules that they preach to you. B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Kevin Jackson joined us in the first hour. Bleeding Blue. His movie will uh, premiere on Real America's Voice on Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can watch it exclusively Saturday night on Real America's Voice, and I will be watching because it looks um, it's obviously extremely timely given that everything that's going on. Uh, and that'll be Saturday night right here on Real America's Voice. Make sure you tune in Saturday night at 8. All right, it's time to do sports. And here with sports is Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Forever uh, pleasing the audience. Rick just sent me a text, uh, actually a message from one of our Facebook followers. He wants to report on the, uh, hey, National Junior College Division One basketball finals in action right now. Second round, I'll just give you a couple of scores. Hutchinson uh, was beaten uh, by Mineral Area by 80 to 77. <laughs> can, I just ask a, yeah. can I just ask a question? If somebody... I love the audience. 
if the audience Playmage High School says, just beat Comsquad, <laughs> if they say, Rick, I want you to report on the junior high school no. ping pong tournament. No gonna- big D. I don't. I get pickleball from Florida. I pass on that. <laughs> Believe me, there's plenty I pass on. Okay. Wrestling, high school wrestling, I pass on that. Okay. As junior college, a couple of good games. Cali, uh, 134-107 over Trinity Valley. So we'll keep an eye on those young men trying to make a difference. But let's go to the big boy leagues. <laughs> NBA action. Good game uh, right now. Knicks over the Hornets, 107-97. I tell you, I like the Knicks. They're going to make the playoffs this year. And uh, the Hawks, 104-84 over the Magic. And another good game. Uh, Nets right now leading the Pelicans, 104-98. Brooklyn Nets looking good. Zion Williamson, another superstar in the making, if not already, with 24 points tonight. Looking good. Uh, let's go to the MLB action. Athletics, 7 nothing <laughs> over the Twins. That just went final. Good game for the A's. Uh, Yankees 3-1 over the Braves in the ninth. Yankees need a win there, I'll tell you. Orioles, and I said Orioles, not Oreos. Orioles 7-5 over the Marlins in the eighth. Reds lead the Diamondbacks 4-3, seventh. Uh, Phillies over the Giants 6-4 in the seventh. Nats and Cards tied at two in the eighth. Red Sox 4-2 over the Blue Jays also in the eighth. And uh, the Mets are looking for some answers. They're trailing the Cubs 3-1 in the fifth. Rays over the Royals, 5-4 third. Astros, Rockies, nothing, nothing in the third. Uh, same in the Rangers, Angels in the first, just underway. Nothing, nothing. And Twins and Athletics are going to have game two at 10 o'clock. And Brewers will visit beautiful San Diego at 10-10 for their game. NHL action. Wild game. Paul and I were just talking about it. The Devils almost came back from a 6 nothing trail to the Penguins. But the Penguins held on for life to win 7-6. to um, Islanders looking good. 6-1 to one over the Rangers, Paul smiling from ear to ear, and so slick Rick. That was a good game. Uh, Bruins, 2 nothing <laughs> over the Sabres. That also went final. Hurricanes, 3-1 to one over the Lightning in the third. Come on, guys. What do you got? You got something for me? Oh, I just love you. All right. Yeah, I love sure. when you refer to yourself no. in the third person. Yeah, well, it's, it's like Damon, don't you know? Uh, <laughs> 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 I see you laughing over there, Big D. Yeah, like All right, that. buddy. And hey, now, let, now let's see if the audience will will attack you when you attack me like they attack me when I talk when I just talk no, to you. No way, Big D. They're not attacking me. And uh, hey, also, hey, big shout out to Linda Cuchilla Levy, a good follower of ours, one of our best followers on Facebook. Uh, I'm going to give her a little more tennis because she said to me, hey, Rick, you don't like tennis? Get on a tennis. And I, I jumped on it because she's right. I did miss that last night. But guys, remember, this isn't a sports show as Big D always tells me. He's, he's gracious enough to give me the time. Can't always get everything in. And by the way, curling, I look for curling. That news comes slower than Vermont syrup in the middle of winter. Trust me, there ain't much going on there. We have a request now, and I'm sure you'll be doing this tomorrow night because you do every request you get for lawnmower racing. So That's why he's more popular than you. I was going to do vacuum cleaner racing brought to you by Electrolux. Hey, yeah. that could be a sponsor. Um, and we have the Sigmund sets up Barty Clash in Stuttgart. AP report, former Stuttgart champion Laura Sigmund will face world number one Ashley Barty of Australia in the second round of the Clay Court WTA, that's World Tennis Association for you guys, tournament after seeing Thanks. off qualifier Mona Barthel on Tuesday. Sigmund, 33, who won the Stuttgart tournament in 2017 and reached the 
the 16th final. Needed just two hours to seal a 6-4-3-6-6-1 first win win over Barthel. Barty is a great tennis player, former tenant number one. So we'll keep an eye on that and we'll make sure we get that in our report. NFL Players Association approved first position-specific helmet <laughs> design for offensive linemen and defensive linemen. This is from Kevin Seifert, ESPN staff writer. NFL uh, and the NFL Players Association have approved a position-specific helmet design for, for the first time. They began regulating equipment for players, representatives for both uh, groups, confirmed on Tuesday. This is to obviously prevent concussions. The helmet, known as the VICIS-02R Trench, you get it? Trench in the trenches for, for our football fans, was built for offensive and defensive linemen and is ranked number, number two on the league's 2021 uh, safety rankings. Obviously, they're trying to make the helmets a lot safer for the players. I think they've come a long way. However, you know, they were still not quite there. So, and um, I got a story on Deshaun Watson, but I'm tired of reporting on him. So <laughs> anyway, just his girlfriend is standing by him. Jilly Anias, apparently she's a singer and model. I'm not familiar with her, but she's posting on Instagram that she's sticking by her man. So we're going to see. That's very interesting on Deshaun Watson. You know, I'm not 100% sold that, uh, you know, He's going to be in so much trouble. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. Oh, that's a little reversal for you. You've yeah, been pretty. You know, um... I, uh, we got to see. 22 allegations is heavy stuff, but I don't know. I'm hearing a lot of conflicting reports, Big D, you know, uh, and nothing totally substantiated. But they're saying that, you know, a lot of these girls were asking for money and they did massage him more than once, a couple of times. So we'll keep an eye on Deshaun. Well, like we say about a lot of these, to be serious, they never end where they begin. There's always facts that have to come out and you got to get to the bottom of everybody's motivation and see what it is. And uh, that's what we have a, a system here. I know people have a heated opinions on what happened today, but we do have a system that we should hope most Americans believe will, um, the system will prevail or at least it will run the proper course the way the founders of the country uh, set it up. And a lot of people don't feel that, that it does that anymore. And um, that's why I think Kevin Jackson's interview tonight was so, he was so passionate about this stuff and, and of, of the dangers in everything that's going on. Yeah, and the timing couldn't have been more, uh, wow. I don't know if you want to say perfect, but it, it's just incredible timing. It was. Yeah. All right. Anything else in sports? Nope. Rick? That's a wrap, Big D. All right. Tomorrow night, lawnmower racing we'll have or no? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Vacuum cleaner, Electrolux. Okay. Baby. We had, we had a, a lot of good, um, yeah. lot of good <laughs> recommendations. Uh, uh, some, of them, some of them will stay recommendations on the chat. Won't make it to air, if you know what I mean. But uh, some of them were pretty funny. <laughs> nothing, Anything nothing. else? That, oh, go ahead, Rick. I was going to say nothing about that axe throwing tournament or the uh, pro marble tournament. <laughs> yeah. Well, those were okay. <laughs> those were the ones you could talk about. Some of the other ones. Um, Anything uh, else in news, nope. Paul Nolan, tonight? Nope. Nothing else in news. So, um, well, yeah, I guess, I, I mean, this is just, I don't know. Yeah, cut 17, G, play it. This is after the verdict. So, again, thank you, George Floyd. Looks like Satan For sacrificing your life for justice. Okay, now just stop it. Oh. That's awful. Can thank I you, George Floyd. She's thanking him for, for dying. Yes, for dying, That's for sacrificing himself for justice. Nut. Like, like he actually got up that day and said, "You know what? I I'm think gonna, I'm gonna go get myself killed by police. I'm gonna jump on a cross yeah. and hang, nail myself into it." Why doesn't yeah. someone just keep oh, this woman God. away from a microphone in these situations? One more time, G, uh, from the beginning. Roll that. 
So again, thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom. How, how heartbreaking was that? Call out for your mom. I can't breathe. But because of you and because of thousands, millions of people around the world who came out for justice, your name yeah. I mean, she's just bat, you know what, Chris. I mean, she's just, come on. Yeah. And remember, she was the one, she couldn't even remember his name a few months ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, George, George Kirby. Kirby. Yeah. Kirby. <laughs> so it led to one of the funnier moments on this show. Yes. Uh. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, everybody on this show. Thanks. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Thanks to Kevin Jackson. We'll see you Saturday night at 8 for that. But we'll see you tomorrow night. Back with you in 22 right here live from Studio 6B. We'll see you then.